Fitting. Sometimes we just need to have that song that just pulls the heartstrings and reminds us that even if there are challenges, there is love out there and there's support. This is the Late Night Conversations on SAFM 104 to 107, 15 minutes after 11, and we are talking closet conversations. I'd like to welcome our guests who are parents who are raising children um, with special needs. Rose Mahwatela um, is our first guest. Rose is looking after her 10-year-old twins. Rose, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia, and how are you? I'm excellent, thank you, Rose. How are you? I'm also good. Excellent. Let me welcome our next guest, who is Gugu Manana. Gugu is raising her son, who is autistic and has cerebral palsy, and he can't talk. Gugu, good evening. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Uh, good, good evening. Thanks for, uh, for joining you guys. We are talking. I'm okay. I'm glad that you're good. Uh, we are talking yes. about raising children with uh, special needs, and I'm going to start with you, Rose. Rose, tell us about uh, the special needs uh, that your children are, are faced with. Mm, the special needs that my kids are facing is uh, in 2010, they were born. You know, in 2010, I was left with the twins. So I found out that they're going to be disabled. Okay, Rose, I need you to speak a bit louder because I'm not hearing you very audibly. Okay. So as I was saying, uh, in 2010, I was blessed with a, a twins girls. Mm-hmm. So I found out they, that they were disabled before they were born. They were going to be disabled before they were born. So after then, they they stayed at ICU for three months. And then after then, the, the doctors diagnosed the, the cerebral they have several parts. Hmm. And yeah. you found this out before the, the, the daughters were born. How far ahead in your pregnancy were you? It, it was seven months. And how did you feel when you found this out? I mean, at seven months, uh, for, for the first seven months, you were excited that I'm having, you're having twin uh, uh, daughters. And then on the yeah. seventh month, you find out that they also are going to be living with a disability. How did that make you feel? Yeah, it was difficult for me because I used to cry until they were three months and then they were discharged. The life it was very, very, very difficult for me because it was even not easy to accept. Mm, I can only imagine mm. the difficulty. We're going to come back and talk about the thought process as to how you got um, through it, if you are through it. Um, I mean, 2010 to 2020 is not yes. that much of a long time to be able to yeah. process such things. Let me go to Gugu. Gugu, you are raising a son who is autistic and also has cerebral palsy and he can't talk. Talk to us about how old your son is and when did you find out about your son's disability? Was it also while you were pregnant? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I have an 18-year-old son. Um, okay, uh, during my pregnancy, everything was fine um, up until I get birth. Okay, I get birth to a normally child, like a cute boy. You know, then through throughout time when I raised him, like he was normal, he was active, doing everything. Uh, at the age of two, you know, when you like 
you have to see that the development of a, a child that it's is no easy when I be able to talk or to do everything but at that time I see that okay there's something wrong with him because even if I was giving him a toy like a car he will take that toy and play with it like a not playing with it like as a, a normal child to play like as a car, but he will take the toy and um, play with it. You know, like a, that the way that you would see that it's not normal. Okay, I started the the clinics and they referred. Oh, I started to branch clinic. Then that's where they told me to go. Um, Jen. Then Jen, they told me that no, your your child is is not a normal child. Hmm. Yeah. And how did this make you feel, Google? By that time, by that time, because I was also young, I was, I think I was seventeen, eighteen, because I had my first born when I was sixteen. Then two years. I think when I was 20, that's why I, uh, I've noticed all that, the difficulties and I uh, have to go up and down to hospital for all those things. So I was like, at some point I was, when I'm at home, like I'll look at him and say, why God, why are you giving me this? What have I done? You know, but by that time, I don't know, cause I will. I think I, I would say I was brave enough, cause I, I've never seen him as a like like a different child. To me, it was because remember it was my firstborn, you know. Like, but it it was heavy to me, cause I see every kid they play, they do everything, but my one. But at at some time also, like I was. I see, like, it was not that much because I accept that, okay, he's my child then, yeah. Let's take a bit of a breather. We'll be back. We are talking about uh, raising children with special needs. You might have one at home or a family member with special needs. Give us your experience and also give encouragement to the parents that we have in this, uh, online um, who are sharing their experience with us. Atimas, the number to dial is 0891104207 or SMS us on 41391. Yeah. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. One hundred four to one hundred seven nationwide. This is SAFM, and we are leading the late night conversations. My name is Patricia Tuli. At this time, we are talking about uh, family and um, raising children who have special needs. My guests are Rose, and um, who's raising a ten-year-old, well, ten-year-old twins who have special needs, alongside with Ukuku, who's raising an eighteen-year-old son who has special needs. Now, I'd like to start with you, Rose. Rose, you. Sp- 
spoke about the challenges and the difficulties of finding out that your twin daughters um, were had a disability while, while you were still uh, pregnant. And you were speaking about how traumatic that was for you, even up until the time that they were born and up until the time they were three months old. I'd like to find out from you, where was the father of these twins at that time? Did you have support for him? Yes, he was there always with me. Mm. So w- yeah. did that make it easy for you to be able to overcome these challenges, knowing that the biological father of the churn was available? Yes, yeah, I think so. Because every time when I, I used to cry, he was the one who, who calmed me down. Mm. So it was very, very easy to have him around me. I think it's very important for us to also give credit because, I mean, here I am speaking to the two of you and you are both mothers and the fathers are not um, available at this point in time to speak. But it's good for us to to also give credit to the fathers who don't bail out uh, when challenges arise with uh, children with disabilities. Kuku, did you have the same experience with the father of your uh, son? Yeah, uh, like to be honest, he he was never there when I needed him the most. So I was all alone. Uh, thank God I was with my mom because she was the one who used to help there and there. But uh, through all things, I was I was the one who, who was there for my son. Hmm. So the father was not there. Did, did you go for any sort of like legal assistance? Because obviously having a child with special needs um, has a added financial um, burden and strain on you? Did you go through any, um, you know, legal route to get assistance, at least, if not physically, in terms of him being there to help care for the child, but financially? Uh, I've, I've never. Yes, I, I used to get some advice, like, you know, Goku, we must do this and this and that, but I've never told myself, like, uh, I hate that to, to me, it was like I hate the thing of it's a reminder. I have to remind him that we have a son, a son who's got some special needs. So I was like, okay, uh, I'm I'm here for him. Then if if he is not there, so be it. Then I will, I will take care of my son, even though it was so hard because I needed him. But yeah. Hmm. I can imagine how hard it, it has been and it's very sad it's to know that there are fathers who yeah. can, you know, neglect a child with special needs. But in the case of Rose, you were privileged and still obviously are privileged to have the support of your daughter's father. I'd like us to go to A-teamers here. I've got uh, all the way in Durban, Nkosnati. Nkosnati, good evening. Uh, good evening, Sompisi. Uh, good evening, now, Mkul. It, it, it's a... It's a touching topic. It's extremely hard. Our situation, uh, we were newly married with my wife. We had recently got married. We had our our first son uh, passed away after a week uh, in a private hospital in Devon. And uh, our second uh, and I think a, a, a year later, in 1986, uh, she was born in one of the uh, private hospitals in the city too. Uh, my wife um, undertook or underwent all these 
maternity processes. We had a private doctor. We had a gynecologist taking care of her. And uh, the baby was born. And the hospital did not tell us anything. Remember, we were, uh, I was, we were before, I mean, I was not even 30 years old because by the time I was 30, I was already married, living in my own house. So they didn't tell us. They said that the baby was fine, baby boy, until the day we were take, I was taking them home, then we realized that she is not feeding normally. She's not sucking. Well, my mother had already told me that. She, 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 she was being fed through the tube, through, the, through his nose. And we had to take him home. And, and, and we had no experience whatsoever. We didn't know what was going on. We noticed immediately that the baby had, uh, did not cry and, 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 and could not do anything, no sound whatsoever. We, 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 we lived under such circumstances for a good six months. And, 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 and uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the baby passed away. But, but the pain, because I remember uh, at some stage one night, this, this feeding uh, tube came out in the middle of the night. And I had, I had no car because we had, to, we had no money. We, we were newly worked. I, I had to get somebody to take me to my court hospital where it was reset and, 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 and things like that. I think it's, it's extremely traumatic, traumatic, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Very traumatic. And did, did you get any, you know, help? Because it seems like the hospital knew, but they didn't uh, prepare you. So did you get any legal assistance when it comes to that? Because how do you know whether it was medical negligence that the child was born with this particular uh, impairment? The, the doctor uh, told us that uh, the, the, the boy had, uh, after, after a few days, after a month or two, we, we went back to him and he told us that the baby had extra chromosome. Uh, something uh, that, that, that time we couldn't understand it. Um, we knew nothing, pretty nothing about it. And and uh, we we left it there, but uh, fortunately, uh, after that we 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 had uh, three children. After that, two girls and 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 one boy. But the pain uh, still remains because I don't think we have ever discussed it with my wife after so after over thirty years. Uh, this uh, took place. We we just shut everything up. Gosnati, your story is really uh, heartbreaking and I'm glad that you're a gentleman also relating this story to us. Um, really, really sad to hear, but we really appreciate you joining in and uh, contributing on the show. Thank you they very much. They must hang in there. Ah, thank they you, Gosnati. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. bye. Thank you very much. So, ladies, that, that's from a father who has lost a child due to a birth defect, and uh, he says, mm. hang in there. I want to come to you, Rose. Rose, you are from a rural area, Bulobedu, and um, mm. you obviously have challenges of being in a rural area, like uh, running water, electricity, and the likes, services being far from you. How did you manage to deal with these challenges while raising a child with special needs? I was born in Bulobed, but now I'm staying at Gauteng. So you had to yeah, move due to these issues? No, it was, I, was, I moved before, mm-hmm. before them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. So uh, how have you overcome the challenges in the environment that you are in when it comes to raising your your, your daughters? Yeah, it was difficult because I remember in 2014, some lady came to my mother's house and then she, she greeted me and then asking me, asking me where are my zombies, They're asking about my twins. So that thing really hurt me because I had to move, to move out of my mother's house and then now I am renting because people are calling my kids names. So like when somebody calls your, 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 your child by names, sometimes you're going to lose it and it's that person back. So I had to move out and then stay away from them so that I can have peace of mind with my kids. Mm. You know, I think that's what we need to look at now. Society. Society and the way they have stigmatized children with disabilities and uh, or living with who are differently abled. That's the right uh, term to use. Google. Mm. Uh, Has your society, Google, been uh, kinder to to your son? Mm. Not really. Not really. But... uh, I, I used to I used to stay indoors, not going out with him because by that time he was very 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 active. Oh, like I, I, I used to I remember I used to lock him indoors, like not going out with him because I remember I remember there was this other day I I went to visit my friend, then there was a guy who was like it's a flat when we going inside it's a it's a flat you have to you you know you know those flats like then that 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 guy like the way he he was like because he's a if he was a very active child then he grabbed he grabbed him then the the guy was so pissed i even tried to explain to him no he's a special need child say no you must teach your child to not grab people that they don't know you know that thing like it touches me like when i get home i cried then that's why i i started like i was i was i was not feeling comfortable to work with him to go out let's say we're going for shopping or everywhere when i take him out that's where i was like we're going for for hospital like for his treatment then we're coming back home, not going, not going anywhere, like being indoors. Hmm. Yeah. How how do you think? And I'll pose this one to both of you, but we'll start with Rose. How do you think we can better inform society, our immediate family, and um, just the people in general around us on how to treat our children with the special needs? That one I really don't know because I'm asking myself every every single day. I have a, a 12 years old daughter. She helps me a lot with uh, the twins, even my sister. Every time when I go out with my twins, I push when I do push the wheelchairs. The the people they always move away from us. I don't know what that is gonna solve that problem because it's really hurting. Even the twins they can see that the people they take them differently. And uh, Gugu, how do you think we can uh, change this uh, societal issue? Uh, I th- I think to to us parents who are having a kid like that, we when we see one having 
also a child like that, you, you, you just go and talk to them and making them see that they're not alone. You, you, you also experiencing what, she, what she's experiencing. I, I think that will make it different, even though, yes, I, I, I do that more often. Like I, I, I used to go, I, even now I go to parents when I see they have uh, some special kids and then I talk to them. Some of them, they fight back like, no, like they, they think I'm making fun of them. Then I'll, that's where I'll pick up the phone and then show them that, no, I also have a son who's, you know, he's starting to explain. Then that's where you see them like, okay, they're getting calm. And mm. yeah, I think to- talking, talking to them just to, you know, education Mm -hmm. and talking and being open thank you so very much rose and thank you so very much google for sharing your story and i just wish you all the best and that both of you with your families and your children can just go from strength to strength thank you for sharing your story Thank you for having us. Thank you, Patricia. I'd like now to move to my other guests uh, who I've got. Uh, Remember, A-teamers, we are talking about raising children who are differently abled or children with special needs, and our guests are just sharing their experience. And if you are an A-teamer who's had a similar experience, please feel free to call in and give encouragement to these parents, maybe give tips as to how we can break this, uh, you know, stigmatizing of children with special needs as a society. Give us tips. How can we do that? How can we overcome this? Because we are we have no other planet. We only have one planet and we all need to live in it peacefully so instead of making other people feel uncomfortable. The number that you can dial is 011-714-4045 or you can dial 891 SMS line is 41391. Unfortunately, we're not on WhatsApp today. So the next guest that I've got, I've got uh, Musa Musotwana. Musa, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, how are you, Patricia? I'm excellent, thank you, Musa. Musa, you're raising an eight-year-old boy who's got cerebral palsy. Yes. Okay, we're going to come to you just now. Let's uh, welcome uh, uh, your co-A-teamer here, who is Ndombi Kumalo. Ndombi is raising a two-year-old boy with cerebral palsy. Thank you very much for joining us, Ndombi. How are you? I'm great, I'm excellent, thank you. Now, for both of you ladies, I'm sure this journey is one that has taken a lot of juice from you, but also given you a lot of reward, knowing that you are strong enough to raise uh, children with special needs. I'd like to start with you, Musa. Musa, I asked my previous guests this as well, purely because they are ladies. Did you have support or do you have the support of the child's biological father? Oh, yes. yes oh, I excellent. Even though the relationship has run its course, but he's still present in my child's uh, life. So, and, yes. and, and that must make, uh, you know, raising your child so much more better to know that the biological father is there and is very active in the child's life. It helps a lot because my son loves his father. Oh. So it helps a lot because you know, get into, you know, activities with the dad and stuff like that, the phone calls and con- the conversations. It, it's really, because he stays far, we don't stay in the same area. So the phone calls, even though he cannot speak, my son cannot speak. So it's really fun to watch him go through that. Mm. So, yeah. 
oh, that's so wonderful. That's very heartwarming. And I'll pose the same question to you, Ndombi. Ndombi, do you have the support or did you have the support of your son's uh, father? Um, yeah, I do have the support. He's been supporting, um, saying to be heard that he's got that kind of a disease, disability. Because with his situation, my son is also epileptic. So he's got um, epilepsy. So every ma- every week, maybe weekends, he takes him, and also I also take him from like literally co-parent. That is so wonderful. Let me go to Atima Tobega uh, in Durban. Tobega, good evening. Oh, evening, Patricia. Evening to the ladies as well. Um, I know I've not, like not had the experience of like I've seen parents who have children with various disabilities. And what saddens me the most, and like, you know, I just wish we could all, like, as society, the way we we treat these these children, like, you could be sitting, let's say, in a clinic or somewhere, and like, people stare, and I don't know how like awareness can be raised, like, in society. I, I, or maybe, and even like, because you know, there's no way that these kids, kids are safe, and these parents can be entirely safe with their kids, except like maybe in in their homes, which is not right. Because obviously, other kids need to go outside as well and experience the world. Not because they, they just they shouldn't be deprived of experience because they are different in, to other kids. But you find this even in churches, where um, you see people they will suddenly want to lay hands. And a miracle must happen. I don't know. Maybe it comes from a good place, but sometimes it is so offensive because now they'll keep on praying for the child, expecting the child to stand up because they don't fully understand the disability of the child and society. Um, you, they blame the parents for the child's disability. I just wish they, maybe government and just society in general could raise the awareness because it could happen to any of us and any of our kids as well. Mm. Uh, it just hurts me. It hurts me, but it takes also special parents, strong people to raise um, such kids, and I just wish them more strength. Thank you so very much, Tobega. Thank you. We really appreciate your comment. And yes, it is very true that our society is not really welcoming of differently abled people. And, um, the, you know, we need to be more supportive. I totally agree with you. Yeah, oh, it's just sad. Thank you, Tobega. Uh, let me let me come to you here, Ntombi. You know, uh, Tobega says people are people stay at the clinic. Sometimes you go to church and uh, you you know people want to lay hands on your child. Ntombi, talk to us about your experience and uh, you know dealing with the stigma that society throws at you because your child is differently abled. Um, with my situation, like where I stay, the environment where I stay. There's a mini salon where my sister does um, beauty therapy. Like, every single time he'll be, like, sitting there by his chair, they'll, like, pick him up, play with him. He's a very bubbly child, you know? I haven't had any bad experience um, among him. Every single time I go with him, maybe to catch a cab, to take him to his dad, or to meet up with his granny and stuff. I don't... I haven't experienced such um, experience. Because he's so young. Maybe mm-hmm. our experiences when time goes on, but I don't know when that will be. Because obvious, when time goes on, he's he's going to have to use a wheelchair, a mobile wheelchair and stuff, because he doesn't know how to do anything. And yeah, that's what I'm just asking myself. If I'm going to be, I need to prepare myself for that. 
when it comes to such a time because now it's just so young he's just like two years old mm. So obviously the dynamics change the older the child is. Uh, let's speak uh, to you, Musa. Your child is eight years old. How do you deal with the stigma around, um, you know, th- that society is giving towards your child? Okay. You know, I think the problem that we're having as a society is that people are normally afraid of what they, don't, they do not understand. So educating and teaching people that kids with uh, disabilities they are part of us. We need to accept them. That's the only way that we can deal with it. Because seriously, to be honest, it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking when you see somebody laughing at your child. And that's the thing we've experienced. I remember I, I used uh, public transport a lot. I remember one lady look at, looked at me sideways when I was with my son. He was like, she was like, but your son is like eight years old. And I'm like, yes, but he cannot sit. So that's the problem that we're facing. And as a parent, we have to prepare ourselves emotionally mm. to be able to teach other people. We need to be yes. patient with them because we were once there. I remember, I always say to myself that I was once there, I was once unaware of the problems that parents are facing, parents that are raising kids with disability. So I understand, I always put myself in their position. Because the problem is, if, if we become defensive and we argue, they will not learn. They will build even higher walls. But we need to accommodate them. We need to bring them in. We need to educate them. Well, you know what? I've got a problem. My son has a problem. Therefore, I want you to understand one, two, three, one, two, three. That's the only way to educate. That's the only way for them to understand. Because the stigma will always be there unless we educate. We need to teach, 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 teach. I'm glad that you have made mention that once you were in the same position where you viewed the world with the eye that majority of people are giving you now. And it makes it easier for you to passionately teach but obviously you did say that it requires strength i'd like to remind our a-teamers that you are more than welcome to join in on the conversation by dialing 011-714-4045 or on 0891 sms's go to 41391 and sms's are charged at 150 on the line i've got a-teamer all the way good evening good evening patricia Evening. Uh, it, it's so it's so it, it's saddening to hear uh, these uh, uh, parents uh, talking about the stigma around uh, having the, these uh, special kids. It's really saddening. Uh, but uh, as some have already said, the only thing we can do because I'm also having a 22-year-old boy. Actually, a man, though he is trapped in a seven-year, eight-year-old uh, kid's body, mm, it's, it's difficult uh, uh, to live with them, especially if we are being stigmatized in our areas. Uh, stigmatized is uh, is because people uh, are lacking the knowledge about the situation that we are in. So having a chance, we really have to teach them, educate them uh, about the, the about the, the situation that we are in. Mm. Uh, to me, I find it uh, as a blessing to have this kid mm. because it has taught me many lessons, lessons that I wouldn't mm-hmm. know in my lifetime if mm. I have I hadn't had this child. 
Um, mm. Now, it's my responsibility to teach other people. Because having this child, uh, I was uh, 34 years old when I gave birth to him, and now I'm 57. Uh, it wasn't so easy. He was my third child. Uh, it wasn't so easy. But having him, as difficult as it was, it gave me time to learn about the situation. And I told myself that I have to teach other kids. I would say kids because I was hoping and praying that no other person, especially my age, would have a child in this situation. Even my worst enemy, I wouldn't wish him or her to have this uh, condition mm. to be in this uh, uh, situation. And the child, because I was older, I was 34, so it was going to be the, the kids, meaning that women younger than me that are going to have kids uh, uh, having the, the disabilities. So it gave me an opportunity to teach other people how to handle this situation because we we're not going to change it it's something that's going to happen ah. and it's going to be worse as the time goes on because of the all other uh, uh, environmental issues or other issues that are involved as the other parent was talking about the chromosomes the extra chromosomes uh, so these situations are happening uh, uh, more now than than in in my time, like 22 years uh, ago, meaning that now I have to teach, I have to educate, I have to mm. teach the parents that don't have the kids like this, and I have to educate the parents that uh, have got. So what I do or I did, I never stayed inside with him, as though it was so difficult because he is a cerebral palsy. He's, he's laughing now, <laughs> playing next to me. Uh, he's got uh, other conditions as well. Uh, uh, there are three. The other one is um, what is extraductly. That means he's got missing limbs. Uh, fortunately, it's not the whole arm. It's the finger, middle finger, both hands, and the middle uh, three toes uh, on both feet. So he can't walk, but there was time he was walking. And then he stopped working. He has heart problems as well and the other things. And so now it's my turn to teach other people about the situation. Mm. So we go out. I take him to the park. There are people that are so easy to teach their children. Because they will come to me when we are at the park and ask what has happened. And I will easily tell them, hoping that they will go and tell their mother. Because okay, I well, know that mm, the parents are sitting outside, inside, watching at us. So mm. we, parents that have got their kids like this, we really have to be strong. We really have to rely on each other for support. Definitely. And uh, we really have to really support each other. Thank uh, you very much, Bugelwa. Like, we really appreciate uh, you giving us your experience and the work that you are doing to uh, ensure that the community um, gets experience and exposure to children with special um, um, needs and also just by you being open. Now, you know, Ndombi, I want to find out about healthcare facilities. 
Have you received the health care that you feel has been assisting you in raising your son? Um, what I can say is that through public hospitals, they're not that um, caring. So with having a mother that cares a lot, um, she made a plan so that my child can be um, in a facilitation where uh, like they get private sessions, like to take her to take him in a, um, a private hospital. So he's been getting a lot of help. And then with my son, he also has a condition. He's epileptic, and um, he gets seizures every now and then. It's like you in and out of hospital, two weeks in hospital with him there, lying there in oxygen and all those things. But with with his neurologist and physiotherapy, they they trying their best. And they also try to get the best um, medication to help him with the seizures because he also has a brain problem. So the, mo- the more seizures that he gets, the more the brain gets damaged. So mm. you need to be careful with that. So the minute you get uh, um, a certain facilitation, you need to ma- monitor on how they do everything because if they don't do it right, um, the more he's going to get affected. I, I understand from my producer that uh, you are currently also undergoing uh, some sort of uh, medical negligence uh, lawsuit. Yes, we're going through that. Um, Tell us about that. Through my birth, um, I am RH negative. And then even on the card, my um, midwife stated very well that they need to be very vigilant with, my, with the birth, but they didn't. They were very negligent. So that caused all those damages that happened to my family. So now with you having the RH negative and uh, the card saying it and um, not getting the right care when you were giving birth, this has caused the child to have the defects that he has. But now how far are you with this uh, medical uh, lawsuit? Um, We... I'm still waiting for the results from my lawyer because he's been saying they served um, a summons to the to the um, Department of Labor and they're only going to respond on the 17th. And then if they don't um, reply on the um, positive thing, that's when they're going to um, hand out the someone whatsoever. I forgot the name. Well... When you do get the information, um, please get, get back to us. I'd like us to talk about that um, in terms of uh, what the process was and uh, how did it work. Let me go to you then, uh, Musa. Musa, how do you find the healthcare facilities in terms of dealing with your child's uh, um, situation? I'm from the other side of town. Things are different. I'm from the rural areas in the free state. I mean, like, the queues, like, um, our health system is failing our kids. Here's the process. I have to go to the clinic, and then the, from the clinic, I have to uh, travel all the way to Bluefontein because there's only one hospital that caters for our kids. And it lives, the bus lives here around 5 o'clock, and then it will return again at 5 o'clock in the evening. So during all this time here, we are waiting. It's queues after queues after queues after queues. It's extremely hard. From the public health side, we are struggling. We are struggling. I mean, our kids, we stay there for hours and hours unattended. We don't have, uh, we don't even have places to stay. 
you'll still find kids lying on the ground. I, I, I stopped going, to be honest. I stopped, I stopped attending those sessions. I had to learn. I had to teach myself. I had to find information for myself. I didn't even know that my son was quadriplegic. I didn't know all about that. I had to find the information on my own because the system on our side is like non-existent. Mm. So it, it's been extremely hard. It's been extremely hard. Most of the things I had to go on the internet, find the information, lenders, go to my doctor, ask my doctor, what, what can I do? Oh, I only want to go to the doctor once, once my son is sick. And I write all the information that I need to ask, and then I ask him, and I come back. If those that I can do, I do. Those that I cannot, I cannot. Sure. Because it's so. Because I've realized that attending all this and standing and waiting on the queues, I'm stopping my son from existing. He's gonna spend his entire life waiting on queues for medication, for assistance, for one thing after the next. So I stopped it. I said, my son needs to experience life. I take my son out for walks. I, I, I take my son for swimming. I do fun stuff with my son. Because I know he will never be able to walk. That I understand. So for me to be standing in the long queue, you know, for me it was time consuming. And it was frustrating. So for me, I know it, it's not something that you would recommend. But for me personally, it, I, thought, I thought it was the best thing for my son. He's a happy child right now. You know, from medical negligence that Ndombi has uh, related to um, standing in long queues and not having facilities to yes. to handle your insurance issue that you are mentioning now, uh, Musa, it seems like our health department needs to um, step up when it comes to dealing with people with special needs, whether it be children or it's uh, adults, but we need to see more support, especially in rural areas, but all yeah. around. Let me go to our A-teamer here who sent us a, an SMS. They didn't give us their name, but uh, the ATMS says black people think about being witch, about being bewitched. Uh, he says, my brother, who was normal uh, until the age of five, then suddenly he couldn't walk until the age of 45. He grew up using crutches. The community of Kwa Kwa helps us a lot by supporting and uh, understanding how he is. Really, a lack of knowledge causes the suffering and he suffered a spinal cord which cost a lot so mm-hmm. it seems that you know there are communities that are open uh, to help people w- living with um, with uh, special needs I'd like to mm-hmm. come to you here let me start with you Ndombi as we are about to close off Ndombi what are your I'll, I'll put it this way what are your fears for your child's future and how are you preparing to overcome those fears and challenges um, to be honest, I am not, um, I'm, I'm scared, like I'm very scared because he's like just two years old and then imagine if he, I'm, I'm scared that he's going to grow up and he has to face the world and stuff. Or sometimes they will tell us that, no, he's two years old, you'll never know what can happen. Things might change and maybe he might walk, he might talk or whatsoever. And then I would get worried that if he can walk, and do certain things for himself when time goes on. But on the other side, he's athletic. What if he just passes out or whatever? Then I'm not going to be there. What's going to happen? Like, that's the fear that I always have. And I'm always going to have it. Like, I I would always ask myself that question, like, "Mm, am I ready for this? But mentally, you need to be ready. Because 
if you're not ready, no one's going to be ready for you. You need to um, have that um, strength and you need to be physical, emotional, and mental ready for that. Because right now you're so young. So, yeah, we just going to see when time goes on. Mm. And uh, for you, uh, um, Musa, what are your fears and how are you for your child's future? And how are you planning on overcoming those fears and those challenges for the future? one that I, I find very scary is that is education. Mm. My son will never be able to learn and to acquire some sort of knowledge because the education system is treating them like an outsider. You know, it, it scares me. Because when, once my, my son turns 18, there are no facilities to train them. There are no, there's nothing for them outside of, you know, the system. So, I'm scared. I'm scared about it. And the only the other thing that I'm scared of, my son not being able to experience life is fearless. You know, it, it, it's so scary being a parent, looking at your son, uh, in, uh, sitting there, just watching the world go by. It, it's one of the things that scares me the most. I wonder what he, is he thinking. What can I do to help him? What can I do to make his life a little bit better? So I, I find ways to talk to him. For him to tell me what does he want to do. If he wants to go outside, let's do this. Right now he told me that he doesn't want to meet me. And we have taken him out. We have to train him, to train him. And it's been a journey. He's been learning. He's been having fun. That's one of the most important things that I want for him, to have fun. That's it. Hmm. You know, uh, when I'm just listening to the both of you mothers, your fears are all uh, encompassed around your children having a better life. I'd like to yeah. thank both of you. And I'd like to start with you and Tombi uh, and say thank you very much. And as a parting shot, could you please give encouragement, Tombi, to other parents who are facing um, the, the challenge or even the victory? I'd call it a victory because it proves your strength of raising children with uh, special needs. Yeah, like, it's it's really hard. But with the support from your family and your friends and your close people around you, you get the, the strength because um, raising a child like this needs a society and it needs family. It needs all the kind of support that you can get because if you don't get it, you're going to be emotional, drained. You can even think of other things like um, suicidal or whatsoever just to be out of the situation. But through having... Um, your family and your friends and the close people that are around you to support you through everything and praying to God that maybe a miracle can happen and then your child can be able to do certain things like other kids outside, then you will be okay. Mm. Like, yeah. Thank you so very much, Ndombi, for relating your story. Most strength to you and your family and to your beautiful child. And to you, Musa, what sort of um, you know advice can you give other parents? I always say to my girls when I talk to them, especially things that are raising kids with disabilities, I say, don't be afraid to make a mistake. It's okay. We are not perfect. We learn as we go. And our kids change all the time. The challenges change. So it's okay to make a mistake. Do not condemn yourself because you'll be, you'll be, a, 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 you'll be preventing yourself from learning and loving your kids. So love them as much as, as much as you can. And uh, uh, before before you, we close, I have um, a project or uh, a foundation that I've just opened recently. It's Hope for Carabo Foundation. 
my my son's name is Karabo, so mm-hmm. it's named after him. It's it's the project whereby we'll be gathering women, especially in my area, where we educate each other, where we learn, where we absorb information because we need to educate ourselves. So I say, let's do it. Let's be let's not be afraid. Because as parents we learn as we go. Even though our kids have disabilities, they are unique. Don't listen to my story and say this is how it should be. No. Live your life and treat your kid as they deserve. But let's just gather around and learn from one another and enjoy life. Because that's all that they have. They need to enjoy life. And we need to be okay with what we are doing for them. Mm. That's all that I can say. Thank you so very much, Musa. Your passion is really inspiring. And also, I, I really wish that your foundation can really have a big impact in your community and in South Africa at large because we do need passionate um, parents like yourself to assist um, and just opening up that gap. Thank you very, very much, Musa, for joining us this evening. Thanks for having us. Well, uh, that closes off our Tuesday edition of Late Night Conversation. We are going to be back at 10 p.m. until midnight, giving you same of the good stuff, A-team. The Late Night Conversations never disappoint, right? (laughs) Okay, remember, we like getting... suggestions of topics from you so if you've got a suggestion of a topic that you'd like us to discuss whether it's about sex it's about family legal issues health issues environmental issues uh, science and uh, educational issues whatever issues that are conversational social issues please send those suggestions to uh, the show producer being ben at safm.co.za that's simple ben at safm.co.za That's it for this section. May goodness and grace lead us all to the great heights of success.